Pastor Buddy again has pneumonia. He's sick, so we are we are filling in with him. And I, I can I just give a little bit? I know the church is big, and we have a lot of needs and different things, and some things require a senior pastor. But over this next week, if you have something you need that maybe that uh, Pastor Brian or I or Pastor Ron could handle, please contact the office and let us try to help out while Pastor Buddy gets a little rest. I know that he's very free with his cell phone, and a lot of you have that. But if there's really something that we can handle, please let us handle it and let him rest because you know how he is. He's very hardcore, and he's going to be there for everybody no matter what. So uh, let's, let's give him some rest. That's just my, uh, my word there today. So, uh, But you can take it and uh, do what you want to with it, I guess. Let's get up here to the front. Thank you guys for coming. I know we joked about it in the first, the first of the, the shake and bake time, the, the deer season. Thank you for coming out. I know you could be other things, and we joked about it, you know, and Becky said, hope you're skunked. But really, this is part of our community and culture, and there would be nothing wrong if you were out deer hunting right now. So thank you for coming, though. Thank you for coming and being a part of our faith family. We are definitely better together, and we're in it together. So, and, I, and I'm very thankful for Pastor Buddy and letting us have the opportunity to preach I don't take it lightly um, it, the, for a pastor to let someone in their pulpit is a big deal because you are his very special people, and so he, his, his responsibility is to watch over and stuff. So very thankful for this opportunity. Last two weeks, Pastor Buddy's been in uh, Ruth chapter 1, and today we'll be following up to that, and some of this you'll see if you were here last week will kind of overlap a little bit just of the nature of everything. And, uh, but they are, uh, and actually I will take some of Pastor Buddy's scripture, some of his, um, some actually of his, uh, I apologize, Pastor Ron, would you, there's some of our youth are hanging out there and I know it's just distracting, they're playing basketball and, uh, and I'm sure their parents don't want that and I hate to be off track, but I think they need to, thank you very much Pastor Ron. They're out there having a good time. But when Pastor Ron shows up, they're going to, Lord bless them. Okay, so anyhow. <laughs> Ruth chapter 2. I have three basic main things that we want to focus on that today. We want to kind of focus in on. And out of the scripture, the, the three parts are going to be that God ordains his provision. Being in right relationship with God puts us in the position to receive his provision. And then our faith actually activates that provision in our life. Lord God, we love you. We thank you so much for this opportunity. I ask that you would help us to hear what you would have to say to us, that you would speak clearly, that we would stay focused, that we would, that we would just give you our attention. We love you, and we invite you into this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Ruth 1.16, I'll read this and then I'll jump ahead because I want this part ties in. So Ruth 1.16, it says, But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. She's talking to Naomi. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. So what's happened right here is that Ruth married one of Naomi's daughter, or sons. She married one of her sons. And um, Naomi's husband passed away. You guys know that, but I also don't want to take and forget. 
those people that maybe weren't here last week. So Ruth's husband passed away, and then her boys passed away. And so now she has two daughter-in-laws, and she, she blesses them and sends them on their way, and one goes on her way, and then Ruth refuses. Ruth says, no, I'm not leaving you. So that's that portion we just read. She says, where you go, I'm going to go. Your God will be my God. She says, I'm going with you. And now we pick back up at chapter 2. It says, now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, all right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as this happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, She is a young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She's been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes of rest and shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay here. Stay here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother, your own land, to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. How cool is that? And, and that is such a, may the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come fully or you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Well, the very first thing, as we break out on this passage, we're going to break down the very first principle is that God ordains provision. One thing I want us to understand at the very onset of this is that God is the one that put provision and gleaning into practice. God is the one that set it up. In Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 9, he says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great one. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. So God sets up in this first part, for the, Lord, for the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures, he ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So God set that up. God ordained this. And then in Leviticus 19, 9 through 10, which is the actual, the very specific part about gleaning, it says, when you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field. 
and do not pick up the harvester, what the harvesters drop. It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vine and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the, for, leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. So as we travel through this passage of Scripture, we need to understand that God set that up. They were not doing it just as a, a thing, a tradition that they had done. It is God-ordained to provide for every part of our lives. God is the one that set up that the poor and the foreigners, the aliens, the refugees, the immigrants, that every part of them would be taken care of. So what does that mean, that God ordained all of this? Well, in a nutshell, it means that God is for us. God is on our side. God is not against us. It's very easy um, today to start thinking that um, God maybe is a hard God sitting up on his throne looking who he can just be mean to, when it's in fact the opposite. The Bible tells us that his eyes look to and fro the whole world, the whole earth, looking for someone he may show himself mighty on their behalf. God is always looking on our behalf. He is looking for opportunities to help us and to, to uh, provide for us and protect us. So, God set these up as laws. They were laws. You are to take care of them. And he said you are not just to take care of the corners. Just leave the corners out, the edges of the field. Leave those things out so people can come and get those. So God is for us. God provides for our physical needs and our spiritual needs. He chooses at times to provide for our physical needs through us, humans, other human beings. The gleaning was not a miracle. It was an intentional obedience to leave the corners unharvested. The farmers could have had more of a profit and a bigger harvest, but they willingly gave up for others to be provided for. We need to grasp this. God does not always provide a miracle, quote, like manna from heaven, for instance. Sometimes he sends someone like you and me, and he doesn't just ask us to give up out of our abundance, but out of our need. In Luke 21, 1-4, it says, And he, Jesus, looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all of these have given out of their abundance. For all of these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. God uses us. Yes, God does miracles. Yes, God does all of those things. But a lot of times in scripture, God chooses to move through us. I know of a story growing up that my dad, we were going, one of his family members had passed away and they lived in Indiana. We were living outside of St. Louis at the time and dad did not have the money for us to take this trip to go to the funeral. We walked outside of the mall. My brother and I are pretty sharp about getting things off the ground. If there was a money or a penny or whatever on the ground, we would see it. And I remember one time specifically that as we walked out, dad found a wad of money out next in front of a bush out in front of this mall we had been in. And it was enough money for us to go. So yes, God does that. We know that. There is a biblical pattern for that. We're man from heaven. God will provide out of nothing for us. But also, he uses the obedience of the harvesters or the obedience of us to give to people, to help out. And this, this particular widow in this story that Jesus is talking about gave everything she had. She gave out of her 
poverty. Because sometimes it's easy for us to say, well, someone else will give because I don't have the money even for me sometimes. Well, we have to trust in the Lord. That's exactly right. We must trust in the Lord. We must do what He has asked us to do. And I'd also like to note in this, and this is a lesson that I've learned, and I'll share the story briefly, that sometimes we are to give regardless of the outcome. It's easy in our lives, especially nowadays, as I was a police officer for 12 years, I remember you start focusing on the the small percentage of the people that are bad in the community, and you see them over and over again. I remember Gary Coop was the sheriff at the time when I started as a deputy here in 99, and he, he said if you focus on that 10% of the community or less, that's bad, and you focus on them all the time, you're going to see them all the time, over and over again, you will become very hard-hearted. And you will begin to think that the 90% of the community are like them. And he said, you have to find some out in your life. He gave me great wisdom. And he said, for me, it's church. And he said, for you, you have to find that path. What that is for you Well, is Jesus for me as well. But it's very easy to start thinking, well, they're just going to spend it on booze. They're just going to spend it on this. They're going to spend it on that. And one particular time when Tara and I were on staff, I had left law enforcement, and we were working at Life360 Church downtown at their downtown campus. And we had a lot of people that would walk in off the street needing help financial help and things and a lot of times they would smell of booze or they'd be high I could tell from being in law enforcement you can see when they're probably under the influence of uh, methamphetamine or, or something like that and so a particular lady came in one day and she had her head was split wide open she'd been in an altercation of some kind and she had staples put all the way down where she'd been in the hospital and she came in and she asked for money to get some antibiotics so she didn't get an infection. She didn't have the money for that. Tara and I stepped in another room. Our church didn't have the money to give away at the time. It was not a, the wealthiest of churches. We didn't have the extra money to give from the church at the time. So Tara and I stepped into my office and we prayed. We grabbed hands and we prayed, God, are we to give out of our personal money to this lady? And it sounds like a good start to a story, but it ends with my failure. God said yes. God told Tara and I that, yes, we were to give, and we had about $20 to give. We were going to give that $20 until I stepped out and my flesh got involved. And I said, you know what? Where's the pharmacy you're going to pick those prescriptions up at? She told me, so I called them. This lady's here. Here's her name. She's wanting to pick up some antibiotics. Is that true? And they told me that actually it was pain meds. So I went into immediately, ah, she's just wanting to get up on her pain meds, you know, pain medicine, hydrocodone or something like that. She's not wanting to get antibiotics, so she lied to us. And I sent her on her way. I said, I'm not giving you anything. And I regret that decision to this day. My flesh got involved when God told us to give. Regardless of the outcome, I was to give. I got involved and played cop, found out information, and thought I was really smart until I... I was spanked by the Holy Spirit about it. God had asked us to give. And what I missed out on is the possibility that this lady, if we had given her the money, the possibility that maybe God would have challenged her heart and maybe she'd have been open to the gospel. But instead, I said no. And I confronted her and said you're not even trying to get antibiotics so I caused a confrontation she got mad and vocal and verbal and everything else that was you can imagine wasn't pleasant and I lost the opportunity I had no change in my pocket so to speak to share the gospel with her now 
because I operated out of my flesh and what I felt was right. Now, don't get me wrong. We have to marry up wisdom with when we give. God will give us wisdom in that. But when God speaks to you, regardless of the outcome you must give, don't worry if they spend it on booze. That's not for us to worry about. We can't help that. God requires obedience, not our wisdom in helping him decide who to bless or to help. We can give and let God in his infinite wisdom sort it out. We can trust God in that. He's a good God and he will take care of it. So God provides for our physical needs and he chooses to use us in that. Next, God provides for our spiritual needs. Again, God is for us. In Romans 8.31 it says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Romans 5, 8 through 11, and this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. How cool is that? That is one of my favorite scriptures, that while we were messed up, God died for us. There is no cleaning yourself up. There is no doing all of those things. God is for us. He was for us while we were still messed up, and he sent his son. He gave the best that he had to die on a cross for us while we were still sinners. God takes care of our physical needs and God took care of the ultimate, our spiritual need, our spiritual salvation. Which then this leads us into my next point of being in right relationship with God puts us in the position to receive His provision. You must accept that gift that Jesus gives so freely. Ruth's leaving Moab was not just a geographical change, but also a clear repentance from the Moabite false gods she would have grown up serving. She would have grown up in Moab learning about false gods and false things. The Moabites um, were people that was started out of an incestual relationship between Lot and his daughter. The daughter got her dad drunk and slept with him. That's how they started. Not a good start to things, but they thought they would never have a family and kids, so that, she thought that was the best idea. Wild story. It's in the Bible. There's a lot of cool stuff in there, a lot of weird stuff sometimes, but it's all, all God's Word. And so she grew up in that type of dysfunction, the serving of false gods. All of these different things was everything that she knew. So when she left and she says, your God will be my God, she was not just moving geographically. She was leaving behind the things of her past, the, the, the sin in her life. She was moving out. The commentaries, um, uh, several of them actually pointed in this direction that this was a spiritual move for her. This was not just a moving from this land to this land. She was clearly showing she was giving her life to God. We must come into a right relationship with God by accepting His Son, Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. To reiterate what Pastor Buddy taught last week about this part specifically, where whenever we have disobeyed the Lord and departed from His will, which we all have, 
We must confess our sin and return to the place of blessing. We all must do that. We've all messed up. Sometimes it's bigger, sometimes it's smaller. But we all have to do that. Abraham had to leave Egypt and go back to the altar he had abandoned. Jacob had to go back to Bethel. In Isaiah 55, 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have love, pity, and mercy for him and to our God, for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. When you return to God and we forsake these things, he is there He is there for us. He is not against us. I can't stress that enough. He is there with His mercy, His pity. He is ready there to uh, have His abundant pardon for us. He is there for us. Ruth left all that she would have known and grew up with. She repented of serving false gods and declared to Naomi, Your God will be my God. According to Ruth 2.12, this placed her firmly under the wings of the God of Israel. What a beautiful picture. When you come into relationship with God, you are under the Almighty's wings. And that is where we should and want to be. We should want to be there. And we we must be there. After coming into the right position for the provision of God, we now see where God uses us again, just like in providing for others. In my last point, we'll see that God again putting the ball in our court. It is our faith that activates God's provision in our life. Ruth repented and moved with Naomi, but the provision did not start until she went to the fields to glean, and that required faith. She moved away from those things, so she repented. She got into the right place, in the, in, in, into the right land in Bethlehem. She got into the right spot. But his provision did not start until she, her faith stepped out on what she knew of the law of God. Somewhere along the line, she would have been taught by either her deceased husband or by Naomi. We're not exactly sure, but somewhere along the line, she was taught that you can go out, they will leave parts of the field available for you, and they will, and God will provide for you in that manner by going out and gleaning from the field. But it took her faith to step out. She could have stayed there. And not done anything, maybe hoping and praying that God would bring something to her. But no, she had to move out. She had to go. She could have went to the wrong place. She could have went maybe to the uh, bread baker in town. Maybe she could have went to those that um, uh, do medical things, the doctors of that time and their place. She could have went to these different places. And that would have not been the way that God ordained the provision for her. She had to step out in faith on what she had been taught about God. And go to the fields, not knowing what would have happened, but moving in faith. Up to this point, she would have only heard of gleaning being God's way of providing for the poor widow and foreigners. She only would have had head knowledge. But by faith, she stepped out. Warren Wearsby's commentary on Ruth says this, To live by faith means to take God at his word and then act upon it. I'm going to read that again. To live by faith means to take God at his word and then act upon it. For faith without works is dead. James 2.20 Since Ruth believed that God loved her and would provide for her, she set out to find a field in which she could glean. This was completely an act of faith because being a stranger, she didn't know who owned the various parcels of ground that made up the fields. 
There were boundary markers for each parcel, but no fences or family name signs as seen on some of our farms today. Furthermore, as a woman and an outsider, she was especially vulnerable, and she had to be very careful where she went. But that is where Boaz enters the story, a relative of Elimelech who was a man of good standing. He was a man of standing in the community. His name means in him is strength. By the providence of God, Ruth gleaned in the portion of field that belonged to Boaz. The record says that Ruth happened to come to this portion of field, but it was no accident. Her steps were guided by God. Whenever she made that decision to step out in the understanding upon God's word that he ordained provision for her and she stepped out into that, that is when the provision started for her. And that is where Boaz told her about coming along behind them, staying in his field, don't go anywhere else, drink from the water that is drawn up there, stay right behind my women. And in fact, he went in and told them to drop extra for her. He told the young men not to treat her roughly because I'm sure that there would have been an opportunity to treat a woman from another country differently. I think we still even experience that here, you know, in, in Neva. As, as, as modern as we are, if you see someone of different culture, I, I watch and I see how people respond differently to them. Some of it's natural because we're not, uh, we're not sure of everything of what they are or do, but it's an interesting thing. But so there would have been this tendency of treating her differently. She's from another country. She's a woman. She's a widow. There's all these things stacked against her. But she stepped out in faith. Today we see that in Ruth, God had ordained provision for her, and he provides provision for us. And that means God is for us. And if God is for us, then who can be against us? So today, as the, the worship would want to come, um, we'll, we'll close here shortly. If we have this confidence, then we must, in faith, let God use us to be his providence for those who need it. In faith, we move into a right relationship with God. He died for us while we were still sinners. So we, in faith, receive our salvation and the forgiveness of our sins. Then in faith, we activate his providence by trusting in the Lord for our lives. So today, in closing, God is for you. Maybe it's your first time coming into a church or you haven't been here in a while, or maybe you've been in church all your life. I want you to really grasp this understanding of who God is. God is for you. He is not against you. He loves you. He, while you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, while I was messed up, He sent His Son Jesus to die on a cross for us. And when we move into that right relationship with Him, we come under His wings of protection and for provision. And then our faith activates all of this. We must step out into what God has for us, where He's calling us to go, what He's calling us to do, right here in this community or abroad. But it first starts with us and our heart being in the right relationship, the right spot. And that's a daily thing for me. I'm not sure about you guys. But daily, i got to make sure my heart's in it. And we talked about last week in Children's Church. 
daily you have to choose who you are going to serve, who you are going to please. Are you going to please people and your friends, or are you going to please God? We must choose every day to be in a right relationship with God, and will we mess up? Yes. Because we're human. But when we throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, what have we done to deserve this grace? As Ruth threw herself at Boaz and thanked him, we need to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus and say, what have I done to deserve this grace? That you would say that I am a friend of God. That now our friendship is restored. Or that I can boldly approach the throne of grace to receive the mercy that we need. In faith, we move into a right relationship with God. And then in faith, we activate His providence by trusting in His Word for our lives. You're going to be challenged when you see evil things like we saw in Paris. You're going to be challenged in your heart to do the human thing. And don't get me wrong, it sounds really good. I carried a gun for my living for over 12 years. I was in fights for a living. I I saw things in Afghanistan. It sounds really good, an eye for an eye. But we don't get that choice if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. If you choose not to follow the Word of God, that is your decision and you're not accountable to that other than one day you will, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. You will. But we're not going to hold you to that standard. However, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you say, I am a follower of the way, the Word tells us that we are to take care of the foreigner. But what if I get hurt? What did Jesus do? I'll go give my life for them, Father, but if I get hurt, the deal's off. Jesus came and was spit upon. He was mocked. He was beaten. He was tortured. But He gave His life and that life ransomed everyone who will come. What will happen if you and I will risk being hurt? Tara and I are nothing special or important. We are obedient in going to where God is calling us to go. And there's a good chance my family will be hurt at some time. There's a good chance I will be hurt or put into prison or jail. Almost every worker in that part of the world at some point makes it there. They don't talk about it when they come here and they give their windows and they set their table up out there if they're going to those parts of the world, but it's, it's the truth and it scares me to death. But it doesn't change what God requires of me and what my act of faith might do in that part of the world. Not because of me, but because God is working through me and He ordains us to be His service, to be His messengers, to go and to do what He wants us to do. And it may hurt you to give to someone who may go spend their money on booze. But what if they gave their life to Jesus? What if they saw that you gave to them for no other reason than just to love on them? And they gave their life to you. Or they gave their life to Jesus Following Jesus 
has a cost. And we in America need to understand this. We need to get this into our heads, into our hearts. The following Jesus does not mean a nice house and good jobs, although those things will come. God has blessed America richly, but the reason he has blessed it is so we can advance the kingdom of God, not for us to sit here in comfort. Following Jesus hurts. In junior high, it hurt me when I followed God and I got made fun of. To the point I walked away from God through most of my high school life. It will cost us something. But how beautiful the crown you will have to lay at the feet of Jesus one day when we get our eyes off of this world and we start thinking eternally. When we get our eyes off of my comfort or your comfort and the the fact that yes, a Muslim might spit on me and disgrace Jesus. God's not mocked. Make no mistake. Let God take care of that. But what if you gave them a bottle of water Like we saw in the video last week, the Convoy of Hope missionaries going up to the Muslims, and I don't know if you heard, one of them said he was from Afghanistan. There's a chance they're going to laugh at you or make fun of you. But Jesus clearly tells us, you will have trouble in this world. If they hated me, how much more are they going to hate you? We need to shift our thinking and we need to understand that God wants to use us to affect this world. You could be the next Boaz. You could be the next Ruth. You could be the next Naomi. You may be better as can be, but you still take grace on a woman. God uses everybody. All of our personalities are different. I know I'm going a little long and I'm a little off topic little off sermon, stay on topic, it's still on topic, but I I want us to understand something. As we see these things evolve, we're going to see more and more of these types of things, I'm afraid, because radical Islam will grow, and we must take military justice. We must go out and do those things. Don't get me wrong. Don't misplace what I'm saying, but as Christians, we have a requirement to love our neighbor. Who's our neighbor? Good Samaritan story. It's not just the person you live next door. It's not just the the people here in Ava. It's the people around the world. Lord God, I ask that you will speak to our hearts and lives today, that you will lead and guide us, and that you will stir our hearts, Lord God. And I pray that where we are wrong, you will straighten us out, including me, Lord God. Please straighten me out where I am wrong and make me a friend of God. Today I want to encourage you, if there's something in your life you need to step out, you know that that you are to be doing something differently. You know that you are to maybe working in a ministry here in the church, or maybe you're to start a ministry outside of this church. Maybe you are to go into the prison system. Maybe you are to go into the nursing homes and share with them. Maybe you are to start just sharing the love of Jesus where you're at. Maybe it's just to not to not give in to things that we've given into. But God's got something for you. God's got something for all of us because he is at work always. The Lord never sleeps or slumbers. He's never slow. He's always right on time. If you have something you know that you need to move out in, you, you need to move into the right relationship with the Lord, 
And you may be in a salvation relationship, but your relationship is not exactly where it's supposed to be. You need to get that into place. Please come. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, He is for you. I want you to understand He is for you. He loves you. He ordained for your provision spiritually and physically. He has ordered these things in our lives. Please believe in Him. Trust Him. Confess Him as Lord and Savior. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins. This is the most important thing that could ever happen in your life. Or if there's something in your life you know that you are under God's wings, but to activate these things, you, you need to step out into something new. I ask you to come. Just come. We'll play worship for a while. The altars are always open. Lord God, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for speaking to us today. What a beautifully unique unique service, Lord God. We love you. We ask for your will to be done in this church. May we lay aside everything that would hinder your moving here. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name. The altars are open. If you need to go, we bless you. We love you. And we're thankful for you. Go in the blessings of God. Have a good day.